Thanks so much for joining us here on the Rivers Church Podcast. We see a church full of passionate people who reach the unchurched with the gospel of Jesus. Our heart is to equip people to love, live, and lead in God's kingdom. We hope you enjoyed today's message and pray that it encourages you to be all that God has destined you to be. If you need anything, please feel free to reach out to us and check us out on our website at riverschurch.co. That's riverschurch.co. Well, hey, good morning. I'm excited to preach uh, today. Uh, the Lord gave me this message. This was kind of interesting. The Lord gave me, downloaded is kind of how I would describe it. Really, this is uh, unusual for me, but really downloaded the, the whole message to me. It was right here in the room. Uh, we were praying, and I took notes, and I was like, I thought it was just for me, but uh, I think the Lord has something that is, is powerful for me that I think is impactful for you as well. And I think, yeah, here's what I'm convinced that there's some of you here in the room and some listening online that this is the breakthrough moment that you need for the, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a turning point for the future. Um, and I'm excited. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm super excited. Now the, the title that I'm going to give, uh, this is called the ultimate trap, the ultimate trap. Somebody say it's a trap. <laughs> Admiral Akbar, anybody? Okay. So uh, it, it's the ultimate trap. And the more I thought about this, really this could have been like the, the kind of uh, replay, uh, reprise of our sermon series on winning the war in your mind. Um, but but uh, it, the more I thought about this, this trap, I'm, I, I'm thinking that it's, it's not just a trap, it's the trap, the ultimate trap. And really we see it throughout history, throughout time, throughout scripture, all played out in the Old Testament and then in the New Testament with the disciples. We see this trap is the trap that the enemy uses to immobilize, to uh, rob God's people of their future. And uh, it's, it's powerful, it's effective, and I, I'm assuming by this point you want to know, what is it? <laughs> What's the trap? Uh, today, I'm going to really give you the heart of the message, the, the whole message right up front, and then we're just going to spell it out. Usually, I'll, I'll, I'll hold back a piece and give it to you at the very end, but, but I just feel like the, it's such a simple word. Uh, but the idea, the, let's, let's, first of all, let's describe the, this, this trap. I, call, I don't know what the enemy calls it, like in his war room meetings, you know, with his demons and stuff. I have no clue what he calls it, but here's what I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the anti-future hook. The anti-future hook. Now, here's the way I'm going to explain it. I brought some visual aids because I was going to do like a diagram, and then I was like, man, I don't got time for that. Uh, so so uh, just a couple of things here. Um, we're going to set this here. The anti-future hook, and it's, it's a device that requires two hands, apparently. It's a device um, with, with multiple... Uh, multiple components. So what he does is he sets a pinpoint in your life. We'll kind of flesh this out in a minute here, but he sets a pinpoint in your life. So there's a hurt, there's a real trauma, there's an event. It could even be something that was a real milestone in your life, a success. And there's this point in your life that's, that is the base. And, uh, and then he'll set out a couple of triggers in your present. 
these, uh, these bases, if you will, that are in your present. We'll come back to those in a second. But this is how the anti-future hook works. Now, it sounds a little, uh, you know, science fiction-y and like nerd alert. That's, that's what you get when I come up on the platform. But, uh, but this is how I, how I see it. The Lord works through like Marvel in my mind. So, so I, I see these kinds of principles. But it's a sound principle. The principle is sound. And here's the big idea that we see in Scripture. It's this. We were created to live in the present for the future. That's my entire message today, but I'm just going to hit it over and over again from multiple angles. Are you with me? Let's say it together so it can settle in your spirit. We were created to live in the present for the future. And uh, so one of the reasons that this uh, trap is so powerful, it's because we're unaware of the trap and we're unaware of how to escape it. So today what we're going to do is we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to expose this scheme, which steals our joy, immobilizes us, keeps us a prison, uh, and we're going to unveil how the trap works so that we can kind of see it when we start to step into it. That's the thing, is these, these, these things are, 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 for the most part, invisible. And it's, even for myself, I usually step in it before I realize it. But the key thing is you want to pay attention, like, oh, wow, I just stepped in it. And so now what we want to do is, we're like, okay, how do I escape it? And so what we want to do is we're going to look at three principles that really uh, deal with the trap and how it works. Is that okay? It's kind of a little nerdy, and, and uh, so stay with me. So the first principle is this. You can't live in the past. That's the first principle. You can't live in the past. You can't live here. So, so the enemy, he might set up a couple of, of bases in the past, you know, maybe... Maybe one is, uh, is, a, is a real trauma. Maybe another is, is a success. And it doesn't matter. Here, here's the truth about your past. Whether you love it or whether you hate it, you can't change it. And so we aren't anti-past. Like the, the, the past isn't necessarily evil. We're not, as Christians, and I think some, uh, some people make this error, that we're, you know, we need to have past blinders. Like we, we can't, you know. No, I, I think... As, as I was praying about it, I, I'm going to say it this way. And I feel like what I'm about to say right now is worth the price of admission for today. <laughs> All right. So when it comes to the past, um, it exists. It exists, okay? So we can look at it. And that's brave. That's authentic. We can look at the past. We can learn from it, and that's wisdom. I mean, we should learn from the past. God can leverage it, and that's redemption. Anybody thankful for redemption? Okay. Singing about this morning, we're, we're desperate for it, for friends and family and community next week. Amen. Even here in the house today, online, God has a redemption story for you, but here's what we can't do. We can't live in it. That's lethal. You can't live in the past. Oh, man. And uh, I've seen... I've seen uh, the enemy use this, this tactic, this trap with, with friends, dear friends and family. Uh, and he's done it with me. And so, oh, I'm just going to, let's pray right now. Father, I just pray for those that have been ensnared. I pray freedom, liberty to the captives in Jesus' name. Do it today. Amen. Okay. Now, uh, so, so the past exists. That's it. It just exists. And so if you try to live 
If you try to live in the past, you cease living and you join the past and you just exist. Are you with me? You just exist. So that, uh, that happened. The end. Repeat. You're just there. That's my little acronym. There. T-H-E-R, if you spell it wrong. That happened. The end. Repeat. You know? You just exist. You ever felt that way? You're just breathing in and out all day. Wake. Work. Sleep. Repeat. Weeks. Months. Years. Hmm. You're not thriving, you're not flourishing, you're not dreaming, and you're not living. You're just existing. So remember, the big idea is this, let it settle in your spirit. We are created to live in the present for the future. For the future. So I came across this great quote um, this week from a, uh, a CEO of a company, I think it's called uh, Living Life by Design. But it says, the past is nothing, this is by Tom Ferry, uh, the past is nothing more than a story we tell ourselves. Continuing to tell that story, verbally or non-verbally, eventually turns it into a reality. God, how true is that, huh? Now, here's the thing about the, the past. The, the past is exponentially powerful because of the stories we tell. Stories are so powerful. And so the thing about the past is that we repeat the story over and over. So if the past was bad, it becomes awful. You know? If the marriage relationship was rough, the more we retell the story, it was unbearable. It was irreconcilable is the, the legal definition that gets thrown around, right? So it's the same thing with, with the That success was decent. But it, through past the power of exponential story, it was unbelievable. I can't believe how good that was and how bad it is now. That's the power of the anti-future hook. So we step on the snare, and before we know it, right? We're back Mentally, we're right back where we were. Just one, one little thought. Somebody says one little thing, and boom. We're right back where we were. That's the power of the anti-future hook. Man, we can't dwell there. Because dwelling in the past, whether it was good or whether it was bad, it only leads to one thing, regret. And regret is the number one enemy of joy, the joy that God has for your life today. Jesus said, I've come. They might have life and life to the full. Remember the enemy, he's came with the anti-future hook to steal, to kill, and to destroy your future. So we're created to live in the present for the future. Now, the verse that we looked at uh, today was written in, in uh, Philippians chapter three, was written by the apostle Paul. This is a letter. It's kind of cool. We're just reading somebody else's mail today. Little, uh, little nosy, reading, reading Paul's mail uh, to the Philippians. Though it was an open letter, so he's cool with it. Uh, so uh, the neat thing about the Apostle Paul is because he knows about these, these past 
uh, basis. So Paul had, he talked about here in Philippians in a letter to the, to the church at Philippi, he talked about he had some religious credentials that were like, they could have been something he could have really stood upon and be proud upon and could have continued to live in. And right after that, he, he, read, he writes the thing that we just read, which is like, I gave up all that inferior stuff. Uh, but he also, shortly after his, con- his conversion, well, before, before his conversion, he, he realized he, he was uh, arresting Christians and approving of the execution of Christians. He was there more than likely when Stephen was martyred, maybe even held his coat. And so um, we, we see that he, ha- he knew what he was talking about when it comes to this thing of the anti-future hook. I want to go back and read it again. Is that okay? From Philippians 3, 10 through 11. Uh, I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally. Experience his resurrection power. Be a partner in his suffering. There's a theme here. Experience, be a partner. And go all the way with him to death itself. If there is any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. I just want to stop there right now. So the, the, the thing that we're seeing here is, let's talk about the context of this letter that Paul's writing. He's writing it from a Roman prison. He's in jail. And it's not nice. These are not lovely accommodations. You know, it's not the, the comfort in in, uh, in Roman times, no. Uh, so so he has every right to reminisce about the past, but you notice that he doesn't. Uh, here's the thing that we see about Paul, and we, we, as you really dive into to Philippians, we'll, we'll take a look at a couple of verses today, but I don't have time to just open it all up to you. What we see is that Paul had learned about this trap, and he had sidestepped it by the power of the Spirit of God living inside of him. He had learned how to sidestep the trap. I, I, I want to look at it in the NIV. Just this, this verse is so powerful. Oh my goodness, this is next level word right here. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, we're theming, I suppose you could say, this is a good time to mention the resurrection of the dead as we're coming up on Easter. But the thing that the Apostle Paul is saying is, look, I don't want to know about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. I want to experience Jesus. And this is the power to escape the daily, the hook, the, this, this, this trap the anti-future hook. The, 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 the key uh, principle of avoiding that is by daily abiding and experiencing the power, the spirit of the living God at work in your life. That's how, that's the spoiler alert. That's how we avoid it. And that's how we escape it. He, Paul is saying, I don't, I don't want to just know about Jesus. I want to live like Jesus with Jesus. That's our mission here. It's one of our missions live like Jesus, right? And so, and the reason being that life 
It resets our brain. Life with Jesus is better than anything else that this world has to offer. It's better than any are counterfeit pleasure. As a matter of fact, what Paul says in context here is he's saying suffering with Jesus is better than pleasure in the world. Suffering with Jesus is better. This is why, people, this is why. If you've ever met with or talked with someone, and usually it's outside of America, because America's on the struggle bus here when it comes to this message. But if you talk with folks from another world, this is why people who have nothing but Jesus, I mean nothing but Jesus, can be so satisfied and content. And people who have everything, but Jesus can be so miserable. Have you ever seen it? Yeah? You, you, hear, you hear sometimes when, when in, in the quiet, honest, genuine moments of Hollywood aficionados that talk about how they really feel about their life. I mean, they've got it all. They've got everything. They got to the point in the future where they thought that they would be happy because there is no happiness and no satisfaction outside of Jesus. It's really the heart of the message today. We are created to live in the present for the future. And all of it, Jesus is the center of all of it. Point number two. You with me? Okay. All right. Point number two. Those who merely exist can't enjoy the gift of the present. You know, it's, it's the age-old saying, uh, you know, the, 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 today is a gift. That's why they call it the present, right? You heard that before? The ultimate, uh, I know, it's kind of corny. <laughs> it's so good, though. That's why they call it the present. Oh, it's a pun. You'll get it, some of you. It'll come, it'll come later. It's very punny. Um, the thing about this, this anti-future hook is that those, those who are ensnared by it can't enjoy the richness of today. It robs us of the joy, the beauty of what's in front of us now. What do you have now? What has God given you in your lap now? What does your table look like now? What's the banquet that's set in front of you today? Well, the problem is we can't enjoy it because we've been ensnared. We've been ensnared by the anti-future hook. It blinds us of, uh, of today's opportunities. I, I like the way Hebrews 3, uh, 13 says it. He says, but, uh, but encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And that's the thing about the anti-future hook. It's boom, it's like, and then our hearts become hard. That's the, that's the thing about living there and existing there is our hearts become so hard, you guys. We don't even realize it until maybe something happens and we see the state of our heart. Maybe, maybe it's, it's just being in the church service today. You realize the state of your own heart. You're listening online and you realize the state of your own heart. Oh, guys, so here's the good news is that there Jesus holds the key. He has the key to your freedom today. 
So I, we'll ask this again later, but what, what, uh, what banquet do you have in front of you? What, what do you have? Just think for a moment. Close your eyes for just a moment. I think it's important to do this. Really, this is a daily practice. I encourage you to do. It's been so beneficial to me over the course of the past few months. Um, God, what have you given me today? Oh, I'm so thankful. Thank you so much. God, how could I have been blind? These friends, this family, these resources, the support network, this church. I mean, the list goes on and on. And the longer you spend in this moment, in this practice, day after day, you start rewriting your own story. You start retelling your story. And all of a sudden, you're, you're, writing, you're telling a new story about, about where you are right now. And you can even, this is the cool thing, you can even revisit the past. Because remember I said, we don't need to have past blinders. We can even revisit the past for the disappointments that were there. You know, if, if, you, if you stay in these disappointments, uh, you, you, you live here. If you don't manage those, they will manage you. And so what happens is, is you can revisit these and you can go, I see that the Lord used this in my life. You revisit it. And when you do that, you bring redemption for your story and you help other people in their story. It's so cool. So question, let's do some quick inventory here. Are you living in the past? Are you living in the past? I'm going to ask you six questions. One, Yes, this is meddling. I'm, I, I do not apologize. The Spirit wants to help you today. Okay, question number one. Is there one particular period from the past that you find yourself clinging onto? Number two, do you feel that you'll never reach that level of fill in the blank? Happiness, status, Satisfaction, acceptance, love, etc. Again. Yeah, take a picture. Take some, take some notes. These are good things to reflect on. Is there one particular event in your past that you feel you'll never overcome? Or the way I used to say it, uh, I'll never be able to crawl out from under. Are you frustrated with where you currently are? Are you fearful of the future? Does thinking about the past or, or dwelling on it make you really sad? Well, if, if, if you're answering yes to any or all of those questions, chances are the anti-future hook is set and it's time for Jesus. Somebody say, it's time for Jesus. Okay? Hey, listen, this is not a condemnation message. This is a freedom message. Hey, we can't get free if we don't know where we are. All right, so here we are. Some of us were in jail. It's time to get free. The, the irony about this, this word to us from the Apostle Paul is he was, again, he was literally in jail, but he was free as a bird, right? So uh, I, I want to jump ahead in the letter to the, to the Philippians. Um, 
in uh, verse, verse 11, this is where we kind of, we put verses and, and chapters to it, but it's just a little bit, a few sentences down the road from where we were just reading. In chapter four, verse 11, uh, says, actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as with much. With much as with little. I've found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty, whatever I have, wherever I am, I can make it through anything in the one who makes me who I am. Who I am. I love the phrasing of that. Paul had sidestepped the anti-future hook, and he was living in the present. Even in jail, he was living in the present. And every relationship that he had with jailers, with kings, King Agrippa, King Agrippa said, man, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian, dude. I'm amazed. <laughs> That's the power of getting free from the anti-future hook. But again, we see it throughout history. And the Israelites were the perfect example of this because God had set them free from Egyptian slavery. And boy, it wasn't long before. They were right back in the past, right? And uh, 40 years, they wandered the desert. And for our purposes today, I would just say it this way. They were zombies in the desert, man. They were just existing. Zombies in the desert. It's a new indie band. Somebody's going to form it. Um, because of the anti-future hook, right? They were, they were stuck back in the past. And you'll hear them talk about how good it was being in slavery. What? Bruh. Good at being in slavery? Come on onions aren't that good, my dude. Like, you got to press forward in life. Um, but the snare had been set. And you know what? We laugh because they were all, you know, about the onions or whatever, the leeks. Um, we had leeks. Um, but, you know, what do we, you know, do? What's our thing that we're like, you know, it was so good. Because we, you know, we retell it. That's the power, the exponential power. But I want you to think about this. And, I, and I'm so glad that we sung this song today because I, I the spirit, the power of the spirit is, is ready to set people free today. He's already speaking. But I want you to think about before the people were delivered, before the Israelites were delivered, God appeared to a man named Moses in the desert. He introduced himself as Yahweh, the personal God. And Moses, he called to Moses and he said, hey, uh, I'm calling you. I'm calling you up. I've got a mission for you. You're the man. And Moses was like, I've got a past. You can't, I don't even, you sh you're talking to the wrong guy. Right? Who should I even tell the, these Egyptians that, that you are? Yahweh says, uh, I am. <clears throat> Did you get that? We are made in God's image, right? He, he's not I was. 
He's I am. Moses like, uh, I am, yes. Yeah, I, I am. And, and Jesus carried it fuller. Uh, there's all these sayings that, that Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am the door. I am the gate. I am. Not I was, but I am. Can you hear the Spirit of God speaking to you today? The disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. He said, okay. <clears throat> One, give us this day our daily bread. And the Israelites, as they're wandering zombies in the desert, God provides for him. How? Manna. How? Daily bread. Now, he could have provided with bread that, you know, and this bread, you know, we call it bread. It's not really bread, but it's like the stuff that, that grows up from the ground, this manna. And he could have made it so it was stuff they could collect and keep. But no, when they tried to do that, it would, anybody know? It would rot, grow maggots, because God was like, uh-uh, today, I am, I am today. You can't go back there. You can't just take this and, and take it with you. No, you need a fresh revelation today. I am today. I am today. And really the only exception to that was there was six days a week that that was the case. But then one day they, they could gather enough for two days and they would have a supply enough to rest in what God had done. On Sabbath, they could rest in, that, in, the, in the, the sacred delight of just resting in God's goodness on that seventh day. And then it was back to today. Isn't that good? So, number three, point number three, the gift of the present is often wrapped in suffering. How do we respond to suffering? And I won't spend much time on this because I can see the clock is ticking, but um, we usually respond to it with disappointment anger. We blame God and reminded again this week, I didn't even know it because I'm never paying attention to the news, but, but uh, Rosemary told me about the, the shooting in Nashville. And people, anytime there's a shooting in particular, but any tragedy, the question comes, what's the question? Why God? Right? Fill in the rest of it, but why God? And I loved how uh, Pastor Andy Stanley responded to this 11 years ago when Sandy Hook, um, one of the worst tragedies on American soil in a shooting, elementary school, such loss of innocence. And he, the, the question on a, on a, a, a show, um, Atlanta-based radio show uh, called The Burt Show, but he, he responded this way. I'm going to just read what he said. The people who want to differentiate God from pain and evil, they're not talking about the Christian God. Because from the Old Testament to the New Testament, God is in the midst of pain, leverages pain, and here's the key, redeems pain for good because God is a redeemer. That's the essence of the gospel. The murder of the innocent son of God resulted in the salvation of the world. That's redemption. It's taking evil and leveraging it for something that's good. 
So if you've suffered in the past, you're in the perfect place because not only do you have a God who knows what it's like to suffer, but he also knows how to redeem that suffering in your life. Yes, amen. That's right. I want to look at verse 12 through 14 of Philippians 3, and I'm going to dive home here as quick as I can. It says, not that I've already already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which for Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm in the NIV now. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. Hey, I'm not there yet. But then, God, I'm not where I was. <laughs> I, the past is gone, and I'm thankful for today. Man, that's the way to live. That's the life that's life abundantly. It's not, it's not living with, with past blinders, but it's just living in an, with acceptance of the goodness of God that is I am today, right now. Hey, you'll miss your future if you dwell in the past, and we don't want to do it. 2 Corinthians 5.17, or sorry, 2 Corinthians 5.7, we already looked at verse 17, I think, but verse 7 says, for we live by faith and not by sight. And this is where the power of daily rehearsing this story of what God's doing, I am, today, that's the, the power here, is that it builds your faith. And it builds your trust when you start to suffer. It builds your trust and your expectation in him when things aren't going right, that things are going wrong. And all of a sudden you go, you know, this is wrong, but God is right. Yeah, it builds your faith. We are created to live, somebody say, in the present for the future. Now, that is the second trip up here. This is the second one, is that some people, they, they get to this and they're like, yeah, you're right, man. Life is just one quick blur. Remember that commercial, life comes at you fast? Um, the baby's born and shoots through, shoots all the way through life and right into a casket. You seen that one? And so, uh, some people are like, yeah, man, life, life is short. Uh, uh, what's the old thing? Uh, eat, drink and, and be merry. Well, that's the second hook because when we step on that one, it's the same thing. That's not the life that we were meant to live. Just, just, you know, pay no attention to the future, pay no heed to the future, burn out right now, forget about the future. That sucks you right back the same way. So there's a, there, there is only one way to live, and that is in the present, but for the future. Okay? So we can't live in the future. Can't live there. Then you're not going to be able to enjoy the present. And you can't live in the past. Then you're not going to be able to enjoy the present. But we can live for the future. Did you know that you, you have a future that is so bright it's beyond comparison. Anything that, any suffering that you have experienced, it's brighter. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I, I have a hope and I have a future for you. Take a look at this video and we'll wrap it up. Imagine this rope, okay, pretend this rope just goes on forever. Now imagine that this rope is a timeline of your existence. You just exist forever. You see this red part? 
This would represent your time on Earth. You've got a few short years here on Earth, and then you've got all of eternity somewhere else. And what blows me away is some of you, all you think about is this rap part. It's all you think about. You're consumed with this. You go, oh man, I can't wait till here. You know, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to save, save, save so I can really enjoy this part right here. And you're consumed with that. And you're thinking, oh man, am I going to get to travel? Am I going to eat well? Am I going to do this during this part? And I'm like, are you kidding me? What about this? What about what about all this stuff? It's just it's crazy to me because because the Bible teaches that what I do during this little red part determines how I'm going to exist for millions and millions and millions of years forever. And and so why would I spend this little red part trying to make myself as comfortable as possible, enjoying myself as much as I can? Paul says, look, I'm going to live my life for this mission. I'm going to spend my life, invest my life for this moment when I cross that finish line. So I'm going to forget about all this stuff I could enjoy. And I'm not going to look around. I'm going to be like a runner just looking at that moment when I face God. Because when I face him, then I don't get this chance over again. We get one chance at this life on earth. And it can end at any second for any of us. We've got one chance at this. And then comes eternity. See, people look at some of my decisions and go, oh, you're so stupid because that's going to really affect this. I go, no, you're stupid because that's going to affect all of this. Man, I, I, I'm serious. I look at the way people live and I go, wow, that is so crazy. You are so crazy. You're going to do that right now, just to enjoy right now. Not even knowing if you have tomorrow and you think that's smart and that I'm dumb. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing with investing in eternity? How are you doing? Where are you at? This is a sobering moment here because, yeah, it's, it's kind of ridiculous, as he was saying. You think I'm stupid? But the truth of it is, man, we've all been stupid, right? Come on. We've, we've, it's so easy to get trapped up in the stuff of now. But then we have these little moments. And here's the context of this whole message when this dropped for me. This is, uh, this is January. And my mom is just a couple weeks after my mom passed away. And my dad passed away. I was there with him a couple years before when he took his last breath. It was a holy moment, just kind of this, okay, wow. And then uh, my mom passed away. There's this kind of sense like, okay, it's, it's me now. Now I'm, I'm thinking, okay, the stories, because I've looked through all the pictures, I've, I've spent days looking through all of their stuff, all the trappings of life that they leave behind. I'm in their home been caring for mom ever since dad passed away and I look at the stuff that's left behind and I think how quick it went and I look at all the decisions that I made and I think and I'm seeing missed opportunities you know missed lunches with mom missed dinners with mom and dad 
And all of a sudden, you know, my priorities that seem so important at the moment, all of a sudden, for, for this short window of time, it was about a couple of weeks, where all of a sudden, everything has a different shade and a different hue. You know what I mean? All the stuff of life, all the chores, all the things that have to be done, they just don't matter. You start thinking, well, what does, you know, what really does? What matters? I'm convinced that there will be a day for all of us when we will have a moment where, where, where we see the veil is lifted and the temporal hanging curtain of all the things that attract us today will be pulled up and we'll see the only thing that matters. And it's Jesus. I really do, I, I really do believe that with all my heart all the good things that I love, all the wonderful things in my life, but they've just pale in comparison, you guys. I love what Revelations, the book of Revelation says, uh, in that final day, a new day. You know, we've been a new creature, a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 is old, passed away, and all has become new, but we're still living in this moment. But one day we will stand in the new Jerusalem. And it says that there's no need for a son because Jesus is the son. He's the source. He's it. And so here's what, here's what we do now. If we're wise, we live in the light of that day. We can look at the past. We can let the past inform us. We can look at it. That's brave. It's authentic. I'm all for being authentic. We're not interested in people faking up their stories. We love that here, by the way. You can, you can be as broken as you want to be here. Your past, bring all your past. Bring your hurts. Bring them here. Jesus loves it. Altar is a great place to lay it down, too. But we can be brave and authentic with the past. We can learn from it, though. We don't want to just repeat it. And that's wise. But here's the most important part for you here today. We can let God redeem it. Jesus says, I came not to this earth to condemn it, but so that anyone who will hear my call can be saved. Saved from what? Saved from this. Saved from the past. And here's the good news. He has a glorious future for you today. He wants to redeem your story. Rewrite it. I know I went a little long today. Can you forgive me? Would you stand? We're created to live in the present for the future.
Thanks again for listening to this message at Rivers Church. We'd love to have you subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. To learn more about what's going on in the life of our church community, check us out at riverschurch.co. I pray that this week you would walk in the power and the presence of God. Thanks for joining us.